motifs and therapy didn't get any better than this, and Harry paid close attention. You weren't dreaming? No. I was awake. I couldn't sleep, and I'd gotten up for a glass of water. Then I started walking around the apartment, just pacing. I felt frantic. I lay back in bed, and the voice, I mean Pete's voice, said that it was my father's ghost. What did he say? He just rambled on and on, telling me about all kinds of things from my past, incidents from when I was a girl. I'm not sure. It was hard to hear. And these were things your husband knew? The voice sounded sort of like Peter's. Anyway, who else would it be? She laughed, her voice nearly a cackle. I mean, it could hardly be my father's ghost, now could it? Maybe he was just talking in his sleep. She didn't respond for a minute. See, that's the thing. He wasn't in bed. He was in the den playing some video game. Harry continued to take his notes. And you heard him from the den? He must have been at the door. Oh, doctor, I know it sounds ridiculous. I know it does. But I think he was kneeling at the door. It's right next to the bedroom and was whispering. Did you go into the den? Did you ask him about it? I walked to the door real fast, but by the time I opened it, he was back at the desk. She looked at her hands and found she'd shredded the Kleenex. She glanced at Harry to see if he'd noticed the compulsive behavior, which, of course, he had, and then stuffed the tissue into the pocket of her expensive beige slacks. And then? I asked him if he'd heard anything, any voices, and he looked at me like I was nuts and went back to his game. And that night you didn't hear any more voices? No. Harry studied his patient. She'd been a pretty girl in her youth, Harry supposed, because she was a pretty woman now. Her face was sleek, and she had the slightly upturned nose of a Connecticut socialite who debates long and hard about having rhinoplasty, but never does. He recalled that Patsy'd told him her weight was never a problem. She'd hire a personal trainer whenever she gained five pounds. She'd said, with irritation masking secret pride, that men often tried to pick her up in bars and coffee shops. He asked, You say this has happened before, hearing the voice? Another hesitation. Maybe two or three times, all within the past couple of weeks. But why would Harry want to drive you crazy? Patsy, who'd come to Harry presenting with the classic symptoms of a routine midlife crisis, hadn't discussed her husband much yet. Harry knew he was good-looking, a few years younger than Patsy, not particularly ambitious. They'd been married for three years, second marriages for both of them, and they didn't seem to have many interests in common. But, of course, that was just Patsy's version. The facts that are revealed in a therapist's office can be very fishy. 
Harry Bernstein worked very hard to be a human lie detector, and his impression of the marriage was that there was much unspoken conflict between husband and wife. Patsy considered his question. I don't know. I was talking to Sally. Harry remembered her mentioning Sally, her best friend. She was another Upper East Side matron, one of the ladies who lunch, and was married to the president of one of the biggest banks in New York. She said that maybe Peter's jealous of me. I mean, look at us. I'm the one with the social life. I have the friends. I have the money. He noticed a manic edge to her voice. She did, too, and controlled it. I just don't know why he's doing it. But he is. Have you talked to him about this? I tried. But naturally he denies...